from him who calls us blessed, and so we are. From him be all grace and mercy and peace. Amen. Our text for this evening is our gospel lesson, the Beatitudes from Matthew chapter 5. This is our text. You know, blessings come cheap these days. You can sneeze on an airplane and you'll probably get two or three bless yous. Have you ever had that happen? Maybe a couple bless yous and then maybe a little bit of a, a side eye from a few people who don't want to get sick. Bless you, they say, and it, it doesn't cost you a dime. You get a blessing. Those with colds or allergies that have been going around a lot lately have been blessed quite a bit, I'm sure, as they've been sneezing around the whole area. But beyond this, outside of church and outside of church people, we don't hear a lot of the word blessed these days. In the Bible, God is blessing people and blessing things all over the place. In fact, God's very first blessing came already on the fifth day when he made birds and fish and the Bible tells us that he blessed them so that they would be fruitful and multiply. And then not too much later in the book of Genesis, we find Abraham being blessed and being told that he will be the father of a great nation. And those blessings last for thousands of years. We find blessings over and over again until finally we get to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and no less than seven times does God bless his people in that last book of the Bible. The word that the original New Testament uses for blessed is makarios, makarios. And maybe you can hear in that first part of the word the word mac or macro, something that's big, something that's wide, something that's large or long. It's a word that Jesus used in his famous Beatitudes that we read tonight, right here at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And so for Jesus, for the New Testament, to bless someone is to extend or make greater something that one has by giving it to somebody else. And so God makes his blessings greater by giving what he has to you and me. God's blessings are large. They are great. They are macro. They are makarios, if you will. Jesus' beatitudes, his blessings are not wishes, though. He isn't saying, may you be poor in spirit or may you hunger or thirst after righteousness. Instead, these Beatitudes are descriptions. They're descriptions of Jesus' disciples as they will live and as they live in his kingdom. It's what disciples look like. More than that, the Beatitudes are exclamations, maybe even we could call them celebrations, of those who follow Jesus. So it's, it's kind of like Jesus is saying, how blessed are the meek? Or he might be saying, how blessed are the peacemakers? And given how early this sermon comes in Jesus' ministry and the slowness of his disciples to get it, to grasp what the kingdom of God is, we can only admire Jesus' confidence that the kingdom would, in fact, take hold, take place, come into the lives of his people. On this Ash Wednesday, three of Jesus' blessings stand out for us. 
three of the blessings that we heard tonight in these Beatitudes. And the first one is this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you today, but I have come here tonight poor in spirit. We come here tonight with nothing to offer God except our sins. We come here to offer nothing to God except our great need. We come here poor in spirit. We, we come just as we are without one plea, as, as the old hymn says. Just before Martin Luther died, there was a scrap of paper found in his pocket. And on that scrap of paper, Luther had scribbled a couple things, including two sentences that said, one, this is true, two, we are all beggars. We are all beggars. Tonight, you and I are marked with the cross. We are marked with a cross this very day, and to us tonight comes this kingdom with all of the grace and all of the forgiveness that we need to be blessed. And there's only one that can give you that blessing, and that is Jesus. Jesus was the one who ushered in the kingdom of God by emptying himself and taking the form of a suffering servant in our place. He earned this blessing for us by himself becoming poor in spirit, in our place. His humility took him all the way to the cross. And it was there at the cross that he preached his greatest sermon on the mount. Another blessing that is especially ours today <coughs> comes with Jesus' second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We're blessed today to have a godly grief over our sin. As you look back over the years, you might recall a couple of times, maybe one time in particular, where you really disappointed your parents. I bet you can probably remember that moment. You might even remember the look on their face. You might even remember the very words that they said to you when you disappointed them so deeply. And when you saw that look, when you heard those words, Remember what that felt like? It was a deep sorrow. It was a deep sadness. In fact, some people never even get over that ever in their lives, disappointing their parents. Can't we say that the same is true so very many times in our relationship with our Heavenly Father? Sin, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Sin is not objective. It is not neutral. Sin is something that's relational. You sin against yourself, yes, sometimes, but we always sin against God and often sin against others. Sin is deeply relational. So when we sin, we deeply disappoint a loving Heavenly Father, and that leaves us sad. It's why perhaps we were sad as we came forward tonight and receive this mark on our foreheads. But it's this godly grief combined with our faith that brings us to repentance. In sorrow, we turn from our sin to face the cross. Where Jesus suffered, 
for that sin. And it is there at the cross and through his words and his sacraments that we are forgiven. Jesus is the only one who can give us the comfort that we need when we are sad, sorrowful, mourning. We have the comfort of our Father's forgiveness because Jesus bought our forgiveness with his own life. This Son, the Son of God, never disappointed the Father. He took our sins upon himself and died for us, and that's why Jesus is the only one who can comfort us in our godly grief over sin. And finally, there's a third blessing that comes to us this Ash Wednesday. When Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I think we can note tonight that this third blessing actually flows out of the other two that we've already talked about. It's not enough to be humble and repentant or meek for that matter, which is the third beatitude. Any of those would just leave us alone with God. This fourth beatitude reminds us that we have a life to live and we have people with whom we live this life. And so our hunger and our thirst for righteousness reveal in us a deep desire to be right with God and to be right with you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. About 10 years ago, there was a best-selling book and a film that was made out of it called Same Kind of Different as Me. And it was written by a once homeless man who was very wise named Denver Moore. This is what Moore says. There's something that I learned when I was homeless. Our limitation is God's opportunity. When you get all the way to the end of your rope and there ain't nothing you can do, that's when God takes over. So it is with our yearning for righteousness. You and I can never be righteous enough. We are sinners. We are sinful. We cannot live the perfect life that God requires. We will always be at the end of our rope. And it costs the life of Jesus on the cross to purchase that back for us. The righteousness we seek is only a righteousness that God can give, and it came at a price, the price of Jesus' life. This is a righteousness of the heart that we receive through faith in him when we are baptized. His perfect righteousness becomes ours at our baptism, and our faith is placed in him. From his righteousness flows all of our right decisions. Any right relationship comes from him. Any right action comes from him. And we are satisfied. And we are blessed in Christ. And so as we begin our Lenten journey tonight over the course of these 40 days, and even as we make our way through the entire rest of our lives, we Christians are going to look different from the rest of humanity. Now tonight, we'll walk out of here with crosses on our foreheads, and we're really going to look different. But it's so much more than that. We will have a life that looks different because we have a Savior who lives in us and through us. Our Christ-like humility, our godly grief, our righteousness that comes from Christ, mark us as unique 
as different. In these blessings of Christ, we can look at each other and say, you are the same kind of different as me. You are the same kind of different as me. Because we all have one and the same Savior who gave his life, who blesses us beyond measure into life eternal. In Jesus' name, amen.